Uh, as we begin, I want you to think about the last time in your life or the last moment that things were perfect. All right? Think about it. Like, what was the last thing that was perfect in your life? I mean, the last perfect meal you had. I mean, the last perfect anniversary gift, right? That the appliance that you got that made your life so much easier, right? The last perfect haircut. Maybe the last, uh, I mean, perfect anything. Can you think of something? Does something come to mind? Or how about this? Let's try it this way. Think of the last person in your life who is perfect. <laughs> who are the people in your life that are perfect? Now, I know. I, hold on. We have a lot of our youth with us today. And I know what you guys are, are going to say. I see it all over your faces. You're thinking of mom and dad, right? Parents. <laughs> parents are perfect. And parents, I see it on your face too. I see it. You know, you're ready there to squeeze the knee of your little kids saying, my kids are perfect. Right? Right? So, I mean, besides that, besides mom and dad and the kids, like, who's the perfect people in your life? Is it your boss? Do you have, like, the world's best boss? Is, is, is your boss perfect? Or, or maybe you have the world's best neighbor. Maybe they're perfect. Um, think about this. Who, who in your life is, is perfect? Now, some of you, some of you, you, you think back to like when you were dating someone, you know, a boyfriend or a girlfriend, and you, you kind of were talking to your friends saying, this person is perfect, all right? They're perfect. They're all, I ever, they're perfect for me, all I ever need. And that doesn't last very long, right? Until they burp, fart, have bad breath, um, say that rude and insensitive comment, and it takes them down. They're no longer perfect. But um, there's moments in our life, you know, where we have something that's perfect or somebody, they seem perfect to us. The reason it's so rare is part of it's subjective, right? Uh, if I have the perfect cup of coffee, I think it's perfect. You think it's too, you know, strong, not milky enough or whatever. Um, if you think about, like, the perfect vacation, you know, for you, maybe it's not a perfect vacation unless you come back sunburned from the beach or that extra bag that you packed, you know, that now is full of souvenirs and things like that. I mean, we all have kind of our idea about what is perfect, but part of us, though, I mean, there's this part of us that just longs for something better, right? We look at our life, we look kind of inventory things, and we just say things could be better, right? Um, you know, our, our neighborhoods could be better, our education could be better, our health care, our politics, um, the environment, right? I mean, whatever it is, there's so many things that we look at, we say those things could be better. They, they have fallen short of these expectations that we have. Like, why do we have that? Why do we have this longing for something that's better? We are in a series called Kingdom Come, right? We are going to be spending, we started it last week, we're going to be spending the next uh, few weeks looking at the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is a theme that goes through the whole Bible, right? In the Old Testament, while the word kingdom of God may not be there, the whole idea of God as king, as reign, as sovereign, supreme, all those things, they're in the scriptures. When we get to the New Testament, we see Jesus who talks about the kingdom of God all the time. And then Paul and the other writers, they pick up on that and they talk about the kingdom of God. But it's, it's something that's central to the scriptures, but yet we, most people, haven't really spent time studying it. We don't know what to make out of it. What does it mean when Jesus says, when he does miracles and he says, the kingdom of God is here. But then a little later he says, the kingdom of God is coming. 
right? Uh, or he says, I'm not going to eat, you know, that, that communion meal with you again until we're in the kingdom of God. Like, what does all that mean? What does it mean when he's teaching his disciples to pray and he says, pray that God's kingdom comes here, that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's, he's bringing together the world and heaven and, and God's kingdom and his will all together. So, like, how do we make sense out of these things? That is the purpose of our time together. I hope that during this series, it's an important series for us, I hope that it, it, it gives you a bigger picture of this world. It gives you a picture of how the world began and, and, and what it will look like for eternity. I pray that you will help understand what is my role. If I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God, how do I represent our king? How do I live? What does that look like? I hope that these things will happen. I hope that it also gives you kind of a framework for your Bible. That as you're reading, you'll see this theme throughout and you'll, you'll be able to understand kind of the beginning, the end, and the middle and how it all fits together. That's my hope. So, again, what is the kingdom of God? We talked about it last week, and we'll just kind of rephrase it. We'll probably be rephrasing this uh, each week. But as we define it here, it's the kingdom is God's reign. Okay, It's God's reign. It's him as king. It's God's reign through his people, over his place, and with his blessing. Okay, So God, the kingdom of God is God's reign through his people, over his place, and with his blessing. Today, we're going to start on page 1, right? Genesis 1. Because we want to see, as God builds his kingdom, as he's creating his kingdom, what's this pattern? What does it look like? So we'll look at the pattern for the kingdom as he begins, as he creates it in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. I hope that today as you see this, you'll see that God's, the way that he created this world is intentional. What he created is good. What he's, he created, even mankind, is in his image and very, very special and unique. We're going to see that his blessing is upon us. He gives us rest. He gives us relationships. He gives us so much more. That, that he is a good God who loves his people and desires to bless them. That's what I hope you see. So today, kind of three points as we work through this. We'll see God is the creator over his kingdom. We'll see human beings are the pinnacle of his creation. And then we'll see his desire to bless his creation. All right? So let's start with the first. God is the creator king over his kingdom. Right there in the beginning. Right? Page one, line one. We see that God is the one who created this world, that he's the king, the eternal king, right, that he has created this world. Now, I have so many questions, right, so many questions, like why so many galaxies and stars, right? Why so many unique animals and fish and all that kind of stuff, that, and so many other questions. They're not all going to be answered here, right? But what God does give us is important. Because it tells us, and it tells the original readers, about who he is and what is the purpose of this world we live in. Right? That's something we always are asking. Who am I? What's our purpose in this world? Right? Is there any bigger purpose? And those are the things that he's addressing. Look at verse 1. It begins with this declaration. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, 
and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. All right, so you see this God who's creating not just the earth, right, but the heavens and all of this. And then it gives us a brief little description. It's formless and empty and void and dark and all that. And you're going to see how that starts taking shape, how he's going to shape this world and how he's going to fill it. And the question is, how does he shape it and what does he fill it with? Okay. But he, he creates this world out of what? Out of nothing. Out of nothing. He, he speaks it into existence, not only showing his power, but showing who he is. He, he didn't, like, you know, wrestle another king for this kingdom and take it over like so many kingdoms in our world. Uh, he didn't wrestle another god and say, oh, I defeated you. Give me your kingdom. No, he created this. This is his. It's his, his kingdom. And why did he do it? Why did he do all these things, all the stuff that we're going to look at? It's for his glory. Because he wanted to. For his own pleasure. And for us to enjoy that. Right? It's exciting. So he creates this world. Now, I know right off the bat that some people are saying, I don't know about that. You know, I'm not so sure. I mean, I've heard the fairy tales, and I've heard these different stories of how the world create, was created, but I don't know if I can go there, right? I've been taught, you know, about science, and, the, you know, in science it says it's, um, it was created in a different way, and so I'm not sure, and maybe you struggle with this, but here's what I would say, right? Um, the, the Bible is written for us, but not to us, all right? What I mean by that is like we, there is so much for us in every generation, right? Every, every person in the world, I mean, there's so much in here that, that is for us. But what it's not, it's not written to us. It's, you know, we're here in 2023. We have questions on like, well, how do we handle social media, you know, and what's the Bible say about that? Or what's the Bible say about electric cars or uh, nuclear weapons and uh, all these things? Well, that's not in here. I, look, I have a thesaurus. I got a good Bible search program. You know, nuclear weapons or electric cars and batteries is not in the Bible, right? But it does talk about things that we're interested in, and it certainly addressed the, the questions on the minds of the original readers, right? So the, think of the Israelites. They, they had lived for 400 years in Egypt, that, that's what they knew. They knew the Egyptian culture. They knew the Egyptian um, whole uh, pantheon, right, of how the world was created. They knew that, right? The stories they've been told about is, you know, that, it's a complicated story, but, you know, the sun god Ra and the seeing eye and then his son Osiris and, and Isis and a couple other kids and how they came and they created. And then there was this battle with a serpent and all that. Like, they, they knew those stories. They also knew that in that culture that they were just slaves, right? That they, the lower gods kind of were sick of doing the work, so they created humans to do the work, to serve the gods, to feed the gods. And no doubt that every day of their life, these Israelites heard for these 400 years that you only exist to serve the gods, so get to work, right? No weekends, no vacations, no days off. But work, 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 because you're serving the gods. So then God, he rescues them. He defeats the gods of Egypt. He defeats the king, Pharaoh, 
of Egypt, and he brings them out. And the question on their mind is not like, does God exist or not? Was it a Big Bang or whatever? That wasn't their question. They weren't secularist. They knew there was a God. The question is, which God story is right? Who formed this world? What kind of God is it? And is it a God that I can trust? Because if it's not a good God, I don't know if we want to go with you. I know you rescued us from Egypt, but now you're going to take us to some other place and you're going to, now we're going to be your slaves and it's going to be worse. Like, can we trust you? So God is introducing himself. Saying, in the beginning, I was here. And in the beginning, I created this world. And I'm going to tell you about this world that I created and that the people that I put in and my passion for them and my desire for them. And so he speaks into the issues that are on their mind. Who's this God? Can I trust them? Some of us think, well, it's just an old story, like, you know, thousands of years ago, you know, and maybe things have changed as people got more civilized. But, but even in the New Testament, right, in the New Testament, when it's talking about Jesus, when it's introducing him, it's connecting him to this story, Right? The, the writers of the New Testament were not saying, well, that was a, that was a good story, but really, you know, that, that's, that's not how it was. Here it is. No, they connect it. If you look at the book of John, when uh, John, when he is introducing Jesus at the beginning, the language is so similar here to Genesis, right? Look at John 1. It says, in the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You see those words of creation, of light, of life. Saying that Jesus is the one who created, and he's, he's in the midst of that. And Paul, in Colossians 1 as well, he says something similar. He says, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So he is bringing this together, saying that Jesus is in the midst of that. He created these things. All right. He brought it into existence, and he's holding these things together, too. He's, he's keeping this world in his hands, so to speak. And so the writers are saying, this is not this myth. It's not some silly myth or whatever. This is how the world began, and this is the God who did it. Right? He is the creative, reigning king over his creation. So the question is, what do you do with that? What do you do with a king like this? In Revelations 4.11, we're told we worship him. Right? We worship him. Because he's created all things. Right? And so we're going to give him praise and glory. So that's kind of this, the, the, what they were, what he wanted to communicate and who he wanted to communicate. This is a good God who loves you. So here's the story. As he continues, I would love to read the whole creation story, Genesis 1, 3 to 24. It'll take a little bit of time for that. But as you look at this, you see day one, he's creating light. Let there be light. The first thing he creates is beautiful light. 
And it's interesting as you look at the end of the story in Revelation 21, you see what continues is that light, that light of God throughout his creation. But you see that. And then on day two, you see kind of this uh, separating the sky and the water. Right, and the importance of that. In day three, we see, uh, we see the story continue. We see the, 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 the water and the kind of being gathered together, the land being gathered together. And then you see this, uh, the seeds being produced. Right, verse 11, it says the land produced vegetation. If, you like, if you're the kind that likes highlighting or circling words, this is a good one to do. Circle the word seed in verse 11 and 12, 13. It's like four times. But he's, he's saying that I've, I'm, I'm giving you vegetation, vegetation with seeds in it, meaning that this seed is going to be reproducing. It's going to keep continuing. So later on, you're going to wonder, who is the God that you need to serve? Who's the God over, uh, you know, crops and all that? I am, because I've put this into the plan. I'm creative. I'm wise. I'm thinking ahead, and you get to benefit from this. It was on that third day that it's blessed twice. If you see that, it says it was good two times. And even in today in Jewish culture, if you have some friends that are Jewish, that Tuesday is the doubly blessed day. So if someone's going to start a new job, what day do they start on? Tuesday. They're going to do something significant or great. They always do it on Tuesday because it's doubly blessed. But as you continue, he continues to bring uh, light into the world, the sun, the moon, the stars, to kind of be our calendar, to mark out the years. He continues um, on the fifth day to bring uh, creatures into the water and into the sky. He's starting now, he's shaped it, he formed it, and now he's filling it. All right, filling it with crops, filling it with animals. On the sixth day, he brings the livestock, animals on the ground, you see him starting to now create but fill this world. And so we'll pause. We'll do a little time out right there in the middle of day six. But we just see this, that, that this, God, this world is not created by this pantheon of gods as they had heard before. Right? Before it was one God created the sky and one's in charge of the water and another is the you know, stars or whatever. There's all these different gods. But we're seeing this picture of a different thing, that God He's created all of this. Everything is under his control. He's king over all, not just a segment or a portion. He's king over all. And he says time and time again that his creation was good. At the end of it, he saw all that he had made in verse 31, and it was very good. It was pleasing. It was pleasant. It was right. God made this physical world and it was good. What do we hear from that? Like, I'll talk about this maybe at the end a little bit too, but I just want to say this, that um, in religion, in philosophy, uh, we have this kind of um, weird relationship with things that are physical, with the world. There's so many people that say that things that, that are physical are bad, all right? They're evil. The body, bad. The world, bad. What we really need to be is uh, kind of get past all that and be transcendent into the spiritual, Right? You've heard that in religions. You've heard that in philosophy. That's not the picture we're getting here, friends. That's not the picture that God is, is giving us, saying, hey, that this world is bad, it's disposable, it's going to burn, it's no good, just pollute it, you know, don't worry about that. 
That's not the picture we get. We get this picture that God has created the physical and it is good. And it is good to enjoy the landscapes. It's good to enjoy the beach or the mountains, to look up at the stars or see the sunrise. It's good. It gives him glory. It is good to be a foodie and eat the best of the land. Like this is good. This is, brings him pleasure. He created this for us. So, um, it, but, but this is, is moved into the church, too. It's not just in the rest of the world. We do that, too. We think that the spiritual is better than the physical. We just do. All right, so, I mean, better to be, uh, you know, a, um, a pastor or a missionary in, who deals with the, the spiritual than it is to, you know, make money or do that kind of thing. But that, that's, that, that's reading our culture into this, not reading our Bible into our world. God's created this, and it's a beautiful thing, so let's enjoy it. All right, I think we do need to take care of the world. We don't worship this world, right? But we do take care of it because this is God, the world that he's created, and it's the world that we're going to be living in for eternity, okay? So let's thank God for it. Let's worship him and praise him for his creation, right? Okay. So God is a creator king over all creation. Number two, human beings. He created us. And where do we find ourselves in this? I say human beings are the pinnacle of God's creation. Now, hear me carefully. I did not say human beings are the pinnacle of the kingdom. Okay? Not the kingdom. Who is the pinnacle of the kingdom? I would say Jesus. Hands down. He's the pinnacle of the kingdom. But who is the pinnacle of his creation? That's us, human beings. Okay, well, where do we see that? We see that in the, as day six continues, right? He started it with filling it with animals and that kind of stuff. But in day six, he says, now let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and over the livestock and the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Don't miss that. Created in the image of God. He blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth, subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. What does that mean? And wouldn't that be significant for slaves who were told that you don't matter? In, uh, in, the, Israel, I mean, in the Egyptian um, creation story, you don't matter. right? In the Babylonian uh, concept, you don't matter. In the story of Gilgamesh, you don't matter. But in, in God's story, you matter, right? One, you've been made in the image of God, right? Men and women made in the image of God. Well, that tells us something about our complementing natures, that as together, as we come together, we represent the image of God. Right? No other God is doing this. None of the other gods that we just mentioned are saying, uh, these people are so special, I'm going to make them in my image. Right? No, they're, they're, we're not in their image. We're there to serve them. But God says, no, you are, I'm going to make somebody, not, not to serve me and give me food, but I'm going to give them food. I'm going to give them land. Right? They are made in my image. They are special to me. Huge, just change in concept. 
from the world around them. Let us make men and women in our image. A shocking statement. It doesn't mean that God is exactly like us or we're exactly like him. We've heard the statement, we use it, you know, he's a chip off the old block or it's in the spitting image of his father, meaning that there's so, such close similarities, you know, the way they look, the way they talk, you know, the mannerisms. But we know they're different. But we are in the image of God. Not slaves to the God for their use, but we're in his image. But did you see here the other words that he used? Did you see that word rule? Two times he says, let them rule over this creation, over the animals, from the fish and the seed of the birds in the sky, like let them rule over that. Do you hear the other words that he says, like um, let them be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth, subdue the earth? Those are powerful. Those are like words of a king. And so he's saying, he's like, you not only are made in my image, but I'm giving, I'm making you like regents or vice regents, you know, you're like many kings in this land. Not to rule over each other, but to rule over what I have given you, the animals. Like, what does that even look like? I, I don't know. I don't know what that looks like. That they were, God says, I'm going to put these animals in there and you're just going to take care of them. Right? Back then, these animals were not wild. They were not trying to scare them and, and, and prey on them. That, that's, that's later on. Right? right now, they're still they're like wonderful animals, and they're going to care for them. They're going to watch over them. Something really amazing that they've been put in charge of. But he says, fill the earth. Like, go create. Fill this world. Right? Make cities. Bring order to it. I mean, subdue it. That's really like you're bringing order to this world. But he says that. He says, go fill the world. Bring order to it. So um, you're going to watch over the animals. You're going you're to bring, like you're going to be my kings in this world. Fill it. Create. Do amazing things. It's here for you. Go get it. Well, that's very different. It's very different than what they've heard from the other cultures. But it's a very different message than what we hear today too, right? Have you ever thought of yourself kind of as a mini king who's bringing order to this world? It's amazing. God's the king over creation. We've been appointed as kind of the pinnacle of creation and given this, miss, this mission. But nothing moves forward until we see God's blessing in it. That God the king is ruling through his people over his place, but with this desire to bless God reigns with a desire to bless. And he blesses them. I mean, we see it in two ways here, specifically. And you keep going as you look at food and protection and all that. But rest, right? Rest and relationships are probably the two key things we see. Look in Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, as we turn to the second chapter. It says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in their vast array. Like, look at that, vast array. First, remember when we first saw it? They were formless, void, without shape or anything. Now, just a few days later, this vast array, looking up in the stars and down all around, that God's beautiful creation. By the seventh day, God had finished the work that he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because he rested from the work of creating that he had done. 
right? Rest. Also, something not very familiar to them. As slaves, they didn't get to rest. They didn't get days off. But here God is saying, I have created. I'm going to rest. I'm going to make this day holy. Make this day special. Right? Um, I didn't read it during that um, chapter 1. But if you, you, maybe you're familiar with it. Remember what it says after every day? Kind of at the end of the day, it says there was evening and there was morning, day 1. Right? Evening and morning, day two. And it goes all the way through. But do you know what? It doesn't say that on the seventh day. It doesn't say that. It says it all through uh, day six. But on the seventh day, it doesn't say that. Did Moses forget? Did he run out of space? Run out of ink? <laughs> you know, couldn't go back and, like, you know, change it like we can on computers or add it later? Or is there a reason for that? Is there something intentional that he's trying to tell us that we live in God's rest? That what he has created, all that he's created, including the world, including all the animals, including his creation, his people made in his image, has been blessed as holy. I think there's a message there for us. That he's blessed us with this day of rest that continues as we find rest in him, as we come to him to carry our burdens. He gives us rest. That was his blessing on his people. He also does it with relationships, right? God and human beings, right? That there's this close relationship. We are there together, right? Later on, we see that he walks with his human beings. There's a relationship, right? right? That doesn't happen in all the other gods. None of the other gods, like, are concerned with you and want to walk with you and talk with you. But he does with his people. There's this beautiful relationship. There's no fear. There's no, no shame. Just this perfect relationship with God and men. But also between each other, mankind, men and women, right? They, they were both created. They had this beautiful relationship. They were naked and not ashamed. Like, yeah, uh, the story talks about in chapter 2 about man, Adam, being formed on the ground and life being breathed into him and, and Eve coming from his rib and being created. But they were both to, to, to subdue the world. They were both there to rule over the world. It's never, uh, and man uh, ruled over Adam, uh, Eve or anything like that. That's the result of sin, and that we'll get to next week. But here in his, this, this pattern of his kingdom... It's this perfect relationship between all people. So there's these blessings of between God and human beings, between men and women, between humans and creation. Right? He's given this beautiful world, and he says, go enjoy it. Go fill it. Right? Enjoy what I have given you, the fruit of the ground, the trees, the vegetables, all of these kinds of things. It's all good. Right? There's no wild beasts, there's no thorns and thistles, there's no poison ivy and things like that. Not mosquitoes and parasites, right? There's no GMOs and harmful chemicals, right? No fracking and pollution and all that kind of stuff. It's good. Take a drink out of the river, it's good. You won't get sick. It's better than sparklets, right? This is my world. There's this, it's created for you to have this beautiful relationship together nothing bad the only issue is what do you do with your uh with your organic waste what do you do with the banana peels orange peels you know the fruit i'm sure they would have come up with a great composting system had they had time but 
the, the issue is they never quite got there. Right? God set this pattern of the kingdom. They never were able to subdue and rule over the animals. Because in just the next chapter, we see this animal that rules over them. Right? The snake comes into the picture and he starts making accusations. What they should have done is said, no, no, we're not listening to you. We're the rules. You're going on timeout. Right? They didn't do that. The animal ruled over them. These relationships would be broken. Right? But even still, God pursues his people. And that's going to be the story as we continue on of God pursuing his people. As, yes, the kingdom is going to change the look of it. Uh, The curse is going to come on the land and things like that. But God continues to build his kingdom. He continues to be the king. He continues to watch over and bless his people. That's what we long for. Right? That's what we long for. We, we look at pictures of this and we see how it was supposed to be. And, and we know the end of the story. If you've read the end of, of the Bible, you know that there's a, a beautiful end to it too. And that's every time we say, oh, I wish there was no more cancer. I wish there were no more pain and death in these tragedies. I wish there was no more evil. That's what we're talking about. The beginning and the end. But in the midst, we long for that. We long for something that is better. But friends, you get to be part of that. You don't have to wait till the end. You get to participate in it now. I think that's part of this kingdom. When he says, pray that the kingdom would come, that God's will would be done here on earth as it is in heaven. We get to be part of that. Yes, things have changed dramatically. But guess what? We are still made in the image of God. Right. So as I conclude this, a couple things here. Um, one, yes, we are made in the image of God. All people, right? I don't care uh, what your skin color looks like. I don't care your abilities, uh, your age, or anything like that. We are made in the image of God. Whether you're a part of God's kingdom, a citizen of his family, or you're an enemy, the kingdom of God. So there's much there that we need to learn on how we show love and respect to all people. Okay? Even those that are totally different. Even those that are, we could not disagree more. Still, made in the image of God, there's dignity, there's love, there's respect. We are to love them. We don't worship them. Right? Isn't it, uh, this is a really cool thing. In Exodus chapter 20, when he's given the Ten Commandments, do you remember one of the commandments where he says, um, you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above, on the earth below, or the waters below, right? He says, don't make an image out of any of those things that you're supposed to rule over, right? You're supposed to rule over those animals. Don't make an image of them and put them above you. And don't worship those images. Why? Because who's the image of God? Not a little plastic or metal or wood idol. You are. People are. And whether they know it or not, whether they live it or not, they are made in the image of God. And so we are those little idols. It seems weird to say. That's why we don't create these things. Because God has put that in you. He's put his spirit in you. You reflect him. Your, your emotions, your intellect, uh, your, your rationality, all of these things are part of that. And so, yes, we, as image bearers, we're going to look for the good in others. We're going to love them. 
because they are made in the image of God. What else? The world. The world that we have, it's a good world. It was good, and it still is. It's, it's, it's struggling. It's groaning. <laughs> it's moaning. But this is God's world. There was a pastor that said, we really don't care much because the world is disposable. You know? That, I don't think that's, I don't think that honors God. Like he's created this world. And yes, it is hurting. But we can do what we can to improve this world. We want to see it flourish. We want to see communities flourish and grow. We want to see families and homes and all these different elements. We want to see that flourish. We're not going to worship this world, but we are going to honor it. Just as like if you were to go on a three-week vacation or a month vacation and you needed someone to watch the dog in the house. And so you give the keys to your nephew and you say, make yourself at home. Take care. Enjoy the house. But, you know, please take care of the dog. <laughs> watch over the dog. Make yourself at home. You go. You come back. You come back to the house and your house is a mess. All right, it's a pit, pizza boxes, beer cans, and all that. Just, it smells, it's terrible. Where's the dog? Dog died or it's gone, we don't know. But like, it's like you, you would look at, you know, like, I don't think he understood what it meant when we said make yourself at home. Like his idea and our idea is very different. But God is saying that. He's like, make yourself at home. But that doesn't mean we trash it. We, we take care of this. So God gave it to us. We don't know how long it lasts. We don't know when he's going to return. But until then, we're going to do our best to say your creation is good. And it's a spiritual thing to love your creation, right? So we're going to do that. Uh, What I want to say, too, is for all of you, you go to work. Today is your day of rest, right? But you're going to go tomorrow. Some of you are engineers. Some of you are builders. Some of you are doctors. You're educators. Um, Whatever you do, I could just tell me your job and it will fit it in. But you bring order to this world. And you're, you're caring for people. You're loving on people. What you're doing on Monday is so spiritual. Don't separate it. Don't think, well, I'm just an engineer. What do I do? You bring order to the world. You're subduing the, this earth. Exactly what God called. You're doing the pattern of the world. So don't think for a second you're not important. What you do in this world to bring order, to bring care and love, to honor people is so, so important. That's part of his blessing. And just the last thing is this. It's just remember the rest. That God has given you rest. And that is a beautiful thing. He's saying that's this rest. He's connecting rest and holiness. So I know some of you, it's, it's Sunday and you're like, oh, I got to you know, Monday, i got to get ready, so I'm going to check my emails, and I'm going to get ready. I would challenge you to not do that. Resist. It's part of our faith. It's part of our trust. Saying, I'm going to honor you with this day. I'm going to rest the best I can, because you've given me this. And especially, I don't want to neglect it. Right? If you have to work on, on a Sunday, find another day, and just try to give it to the Lord Right? And just as we do with anything, whether we eat, whether we drink, whether we sleep, it's all to the glory of God, and we praise him for it. All right, so that's it. The picture, the pattern of the kingdom. We see God as king. He's created this good world, and he's put us in it, us to be very, have a special role. And then he's put his blessing around us, relationships, rest, and so much more.
And so today, as you go out and as you go out and about your things, I want you to keep this in mind, that what God has done, who is this God? Right? Who is this God? He's a good God, a creative God who loves you and has, has called you, made you very, very special. He's put a mission in our heart. And we're going to do it the best we can today. Right? It won't be perfect, but we're going to do the best we can so for you guys that are graduating, our, our, our high school graduates, you're gonna, some of you are going to be going to college and you're going to be thinking about what's the career, what do I want to do? You know what? How, it's a, how can I take this world that God has given me, how can I take the skills that he's given me, and how can I, I, I subdue the earth with it? How can I bring order and love and care and compassion? How can I, as a citizen of heaven, represent him wherever he calls me? And I'm excited to see what God teaches you, what he, where he leads you, and what he shows you. Amen.